0: Hi, Lauren. Hi, Shin. I have a joke today. Ooh. So I asked my dog what's two minus two. (laughs) He said nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Is that good? (laughs) That's good. (laughs) What's up, everybody? (laughs) Welcome back to our podcast called What They Don't Say. Um, We're diving deep. We're going in today. Yeah, we have these books next to us, these lovely, fat, thick files. Files. Some of you might have thought we were about to say penises,
1: but... <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, kinda. <laughs> um, but anyways, we have these big files next to us, and if you're watching this at all, then you will see them. And these are our trial files. Is There's seven of them,
1: and they're all this fat. Yeah, And when I say this fat, I'm talking, like, a couple inches. Like, probably
0: two inches. Some of them are fatter than others. <laughs> um. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so we have about seven files of these in total. There's only two on each desk right now because we we're worried if we st- stacked them up, they would, like, cover our faces. But that's what's next to us. If you're not watching, if you're watching, you can see them. Um,
1: Super fun legal documents.
0: Yeah, it's it's essentially a just pure record, like, word for word of every sort of legal aspect of the court case that we went to went through um they're here today why are they here today lauren why do we why do we have these here (laughs) um i don't know last night we were just hanging out with our friend and drinking no wrong answer (laughs) they're here because today we're gonna start talking about the court process we are gonna start talking about the court process yeah And we were having a hard time trying to figure out, like, where exactly was the best place to start. And we figured... From the beginning. From the beginning. um, As well. The very first thing that happens when you begin the court process, at least in our case. So we went through a military trial, military court-martial, which I believe we had mentioned in an earlier episode, but it was... It's a different process from, like, civilian legal system. But same laws. Yeah. Same laws. Just, like, weirder proceedings, I would say.
1: Yeah, and just like the, I guess the people you talk to is the thing I'd say that's the most different between a, a military process and then just a normal civilian process. Like instead of like talking to the police, we talked to OSI, which is the Office of Special Investigations, which is like the police who like kind
0: of the FBI of the Air Force. Yeah, and so for us, this like took place at the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, and so this is a actual, the Office of Special Investigation is at the United States Air Force Academy base, right? That's what you would call it?
1: Yeah. I mean, like, there's OSI offices just on On Air Force bases. Yeah. And the Academy is an Air Force base, so that is where it was conducted. And to back up, the um, person who assaulted Shannon and I, as well as many other girls, was a cadet, or aka a student, at the Air Force Academy, which is why it took place there. So, even though we are not in the military, um, the military took it into their hands, essentially. Yeah. Which was a gamble. Like, we weren't really sure if we should go through the civilian process or through the military process, but we thought that maybe it would be quicker than the civilian process. Like, there were a few things, and definitely, like, a lot of, like, pros and cons there that we can, like, talk about when we get to that
0: point. But we just decided we're going to take this route, see what happens. Well, I think more than anything, it was not really up to us. So, like, I initially, I was the first person to call the Air Force Academy. They have, like, a, um, it's not an OVA office. It's like a, it's a SANE office. I can't remember what it's called, but there's a, it's yes. an acronym yeah. um, for basically reporting sexual assaults that have something to do with the Air Force Academy. And so, like, I had made the phone call and just said, like, I need to report a sexual assault. And, like, some of the questions they ask are, are you a member of the Air Force or of the military at all? Are you a cadet here or are you a civilian? So I was like, I was, a, I'm a civilian, and the person who sexually assaulted me was a cadet. And so tradition, like, I, I don't really know if it was up to us whether it was a civilian case or a military case. Like, the only reason we had it an option to go military was because, because of that. Yeah. But they could have said, No, we want to only take on cases that where everyone is a cadet, or everyone Mm -hmm. is involved in the Air Force. Um, But yeah, as Lauren had said, like, I think traditionally the civilian process has a lot of stereotypes that it takes years and years and years, but um, our trial also took, like, two or three years in total, so, you know. I don't really think that was actually a factor that played in. Like, it was,
1: I think any way you go with this, which is probably normally going to be a civilian route, it's going to take fucking forever. Yeah. Like, so long to the point where you go through months, you hear nothing, and you even forget about it at times. Like, I never <laughs> forgot about it. Like, like there were just, like, weeks where, like, you're, like, la, la 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 like, living your life, and then you
0: get a phone call. And you're, like, oh, oh fuck. That. You know? Yeah. Like, it's just, like, in your face. But everyone is called, um, this is, like, a thing that really bothered me a lot throughout the court process, was that everybody is called, like, sergeant or captain. Mm-hmm. And then, on top of that, they use military time. Now for Lauren, this doesn't bother her. This really pissed me off for some reason, because I was like, girl, I have to call you captain this and captain that, which is a respect thing. And I understand that, but it was just like everyone who was involved, who were, people who were my attorneys were all military. They're all air force. They were all given to us. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we'll be meeting you at 14 o'clock. Like, I don't want to think Two o'clock. 12 plus plus. What equals 2? Okay, 2 o'clock. Like, I don't want to think about that. Um, that's not how you think about
1: it. <laughs> that's how I think about it. Like, if it's like... You like... I like... go like, I subtract. So if you're saying it's like 1600, that's 4 o'clock. Oh, yeah, it's 1400. Not even 14. Fuck
0: me. <laughs> it's... Yeah. It's 14 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you know what I'm saying. Um, but, however... Um, the very beginning of the process. So I called to make a report. Um, it's a, not a very detailed report like, report, like they don't ask, like this person is just kind of the middleman to pass off the information to the Office of Special Investigation so that they can begin taking it into their hands and make sure that everything is like legal. Like that phone call wasn't a recorded thing, it was just a report, that's all it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then following that, the next step is having an investigation. And you start off an investigation by bringing the person who is alleging this assault in. That's how you start. Um, I guess I was the first person to be brought in as well. Um, So the first person that texted me was someone who would be interviewing me um, to begin the investigation. And she was really sweet. Like she had texted me and she said, hi, this is so-and-so. I'm reaching out for you know, to begin this investigation, what is your schedule like? Very, very normal, like civilian like talk. It Mm -hmm. felt very comfortable. So I ended up scheduling my interview. Um, it was almost exactly a week after I had been assaulted. They want to get it done as soon as possible. So that like the information is as fresh and there and available as it can be. And so I remember it was a really snowy day and I was driving there with my parents. And like, for one, like a military base of any sort i think is very confusing and there's a lot of <laughs>
1: like this place is fucking massive like they have acres upon acres upon acres upon acres of land it's insane and like and you have service too so yeah you you're like Maps, in the forest like- as so, like there's like a huge forest on this lake. like there's it's there's a fucking golf course there's multiple airstrips, like it is
0: insane So, it's really really overwhelming for someone who doesn't spend a lot of time there.
1: Yeah, especially, like, rolling up to, like, they have, like, the front gates, and there's just, like... There's, like, armed guards. Armed guards that are holding, like, freaking, that look like assault rifles, (laughs) and
0: you're like, oh my god, like, I'm not doing anything wrong, but I feel like I am. Yeah, they're like, (laughs) like, they check usually the back of your car, they have you rolled down all of your windows before going in. Do you have
1: any explosive or drugs on you? Like, what the fuck?
0: If I did what i tell you, probably (laughs) not, like... No, sir. I have no. I'm just a little girl here. I have no bombs. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, it's a girl. Um, but so you know, we're entering the Air Force base, and I was with my parents. Like I had said, they were driving, and I was already super nervous. Like, I didn't really know what to expect. I knew that it was going to take a long time. I knew there was going to be a lot of questions. I knew it was probably going to be really emotionally draining. Um, we had had a hard time finding the OSI office in general. Like, it's in a more it's not, like, in a secret location by any means. But it's but also, it's just
1: like, in a weird... Like, it's just not near anything. Like, it's just this, like, weird in square building. The, yeah. In like, the middle of, like, this piece of
0: land. Yeah. And so, eventually, the lady that had been messaging me, like, we found the office. She meets us outside, and we walk in. And it's, like, it's a big building with, like, granite tile floors. And, you know, there's, like, memorabilia on the walls. And we're, like, the only ones in it. Like... Maybe there are offices. I don't even know. But we go down the stairs, like, into the basement of the building. And we go into this room. I think it had, like, a couch and a table. And it was the woman. And then there was another man. And they are so lovely. Like, they are so kind and warm. And, like, the room was warm and almost welcoming. Like, not the colors weren't welcoming or anything.
1: It was, like, going into a therapist's office. Like, yeah. you was set up. Like, you felt like you were like, talking to psychologists.
0: Yeah, literally. Like it was just this warm feeling, like inviting almost that and it like everything like it was okay. Like it wasn't cold and uncomfortable. It was inviting. like a police
1: station or something. It yeah. wasn't like that.
0: Not at all. Yeah. Um and the initial questions were super like like my parents were still there. It was like, Do you want coffee? How are you doing today? Like, what do you have for breakfast? Do you have any plans later today? Like very chill, you know, surfacey level conversations. And then eventually they took me into there was a room, like through the room that we were that we initially met in and it was the same situation like i sit on a couch they sit on these two chairs there was a camera um because everything has to be video and audio recorded and one person in the interview is the one that mainly asks the questions and then the other one is taking a lot of notes and then like after about 10 minutes of talking the person asking the questions will ask the note taker like hey do you have any questions do you need to clarify anything and then the process just basically goes like that until they have all the information they want for the moment. They interview my parents as well, but that was just, like, that was the preface of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Did you have the same experience? Like,
1: So I think that, and I'm sure you felt the same way, like, I had no idea what to expect, and I think that anytime you're going into, like, a police interview or anything like that, like, you... Have like you don't know what you're walking into. And I would say the same thing for every step of this entire process. We just had no idea what the fuck was going on. And like I remember, you know, I felt very I felt very stressed out and I was very anxious mm-hmm. before. And I remember like I was with you and you were like, you need to like eat breakfast, like I'm gonna make you eggs. And I'm like, no no no, like there's no time, like there's no time for eggs. Like I like really sometime, I don't have fucking time. Like that. I was like, I think I was very just, like, stressed out, and I hadn't really talked about my stuff in a long time. It had been, like, a year. Mm -hmm. I think, like, over a year. So I think that part was really scary because I knew I was going to have to walk in in and talk about that stuff. But when I got there, like, I did have that same experience of, like, these two people were super friendly, and they were, like, really welcoming, and I didn't expect that. They didn't feel Mm military-like. And And... they're not wearing uniforms. No. They were just, like, wearing, like, suits. Yeah. Like... And so it wasn't intimidating. Like, I felt like I could talk to those people. That's why I, like, like, it felt like I was sitting in some sort of psychologist's office talking to a psychologist because, like, the questions they're asking and things like that, it was, like, very – it felt open Mm -hmm. and it felt like I could just
0: say anything. Like, you could be really honest. Yeah. And these interviews are designed for you to feel honest and – addition in addition to that um, these people are like actually trained to ask you questions about sensory details and things like that so that you will remember things that maybe you hadn't remembered so if this is something that you haven't talked about a long time which was in your case they'll maybe be like do you remember what you were wearing like what did the bed feel like do you remember like did you have jewelry on did you smell anything did you Mm -hmm. taste anything those sorts of questions will be asked hoping that you will remember those really key details that might be useful in court. However, with all of this comfort being said, like I didn't really have a whole lot of experience talking to like people in the military. Like obviously the man who assaulted us, some of his friends, but I didn't really have any encounters with like very serious, like classics, like stereotypical, like military people. So I'm like, oh, these people are awesome. They're so kind and soft and squishy and warm. And I didn't understand that literally every single word that was said in that OSI interview could be used fully against me in court, Mm -hmm. like in, in a negative way. In a negative way. And
1: obviously when everything we said in there was completely honest and true, but it's like if you said a word that was kind of weird in that sentence that made it sound like kind of off, they could take that and twist that. So it was kind of like... I'm sitting here and I'm talking about my experiences and I used a word that maybe I could have used a better word. Or maybe just it's a like, word
0: that you normally don't use, but because you're a little bit nervous,
1: nervous and you like are like, that. I've never done this before. Like, I don't know what's going on. You like say something and you're like, oh, that sounded weird. And then it is, it is. It's like, destroyed, they just Yeah. They just take that and they fucking run with it. They're like, this is great. And they question you about it later and you're like, what the fuck? Like that is not what I was saying. Like, that's not oh, what I meant. Or yeah. that's not what I meant. Or, like, they'll take segments from it. Like, short segments and be like, well, you With said no this. no context. And I'm like, well, that's completely taken out of context. How can you... Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, it is... That is, like, much more down the road.
0: But that's um, defense, I guess. We should have clarified that. Yeah, like, yeah that's defense's doing. They are the ones that use it, which, obviously, they have to make a case, but... Um, it's fucked. Yeah. Like, I
1: wish that I had sat down and they had, like been warm and comforting and, and, like, inviting. I think that was good because then I could talk about these things in an open and honest way, but I wish they would have said, like, hey, like, this is going to be, like, recorded and audioed. so anything that you do say, like, can be used down the line, they don't tell you that.
0: And so you're completely, like, blindsided by it. Well, like, this. you know it's all being recorded. Right, but, but they don't tell you that it can be used in court. And I think the bigger thing, like, it's not the fact that it's even going to be used, it's that... This is the very first account. This is the first time that they're hearing what you said or what you say. This is the, excuse me. This is the very first time that you are recalling what happened. Like the first time they're hearing about it. And so if you say something then and then you're testifying in court later and it doesn't match up pretty much perfectly, Perfectly. they will call you out on it. Or Mm -hmm. if you say something then and maybe you remembered it wrong. Or like, you were like, I recalled these events as happening one day and then the next day. And then maybe a few weeks later, like, holy shit. No, it was totally flip flopped. It kind of doesn't matter because like the first account they hear is the one they're going to take as like the baseline of truth, which is understandable because what else do they have to go on? But it is kind of grueling later on. Yeah. If there's even the smallest lack of consistency in what you were saying, they just... Yeah, but also you can't be too consistent. Like, that's the other issue, too. If you're too consistent, it's like, this must be
1: You plan this, and you memorize this, and all this stuff. Like, that can't have happened. That wasn't Mm -hmm. real. So it's like, you can't even fucking win. Like, if you're too consistent, then it's like, well, you're clearly lying because this is, like, too perfect, but if you're not consistent enough, then it's like, well, see, she said this this time, and this this time, and they're a little Mm -hmm. bit different, so she must be lying.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and, like, something that happened, um, like, something in particular that was really used against me was... Um, this word pranced, so defense and prosecution, they each going to trial need to have a sort of like layout of how they're going to defend the person, obviously. So you have like these main ideas and you have supporting ideas and something the defense really liked to nail me on was, um, what I said immediately after being raped, as well as what I said, um, in the OSI interview about, um, like right before I was raped. In the interview, I was talking about how one moment in time um, I had been moving away from my assailant and the way I would describe it now and how I described it to my friends and how I described it like every other time I had talked about it was that I like moved away quickly, urgently skipped like that was how I talked about it like I moved away quickly was the point. And in my interview, I said I pranced away from my assailant. Which I don't use the word prance. It is not a normal <laughs> word in my vocabulary at all. But then the defense, like repeatedly in opening statements, closing statements, and questioning, they had said things like, You pranced away. That doesn't sound like you are afraid of him. That doesn't sound like, like, that's the word prance is traditionally used in settings and in contexts where you are happy, you're prancing through flowers with your husband, you are prancing on the way to get a fucking espresso martini, you know, like prance is used in a squishy, warm context. And I had said that. And I remember in my interview, like I said pranced, and then they were like, can you explain what that means? And I was like, I urgently moved. Like I was moving from one place to the next. Mm-hmm. So you provided and that context. context. Yeah. But the prance was taken so out of context in trial. Mm-hmm. Um, But it was just, it was just a literal thing of, I was nervous in the interview and I said something that, I, I said something where the word didn't actually mean what I was thinking. Right. You were just like, maybe had nervous energy. And so you're Mm -hmm. like, I know for me, I was
1: talking really fast. Yeah. And so like, you kind of like run over words and you just like say words and you're like, oh, that
0: was weird. I don't know why I just said that. Yeah. So I think that like totally makes sense. Um, But because it was, like, the first word that I had said... Yeah. That was the one taken with the most value, as opposed to when I gave context after it. Yeah. Um,
1: I also think that another thing that was, like, so fucked was... Apparently... I I don't... I honestly can't remember your interview, but they, like, make you watch this stuff. Like, when you're getting ready to go into court, like, Mm -hmm. you watch your own and... I was sitting in, like, one of the back rooms um, in the courthouse, and the, like, head defense
0: attorney walks in. And and the military like,
1: or the civilian one? The
0: civilian one, Okay, who wait. was a cock. But well, yeah, to clarify... Um, <laughs> Biggest cock. <laughs> so we each got... I had, like, four different attorneys throughout the entire process, but, like, we each have one attorney for ourselves. They call him a special victims counsel, and F- SVC, and then... We have a main, a head prosecutor who was like kind of in charge of all the ducklings. Who's the one that I say ducklings, what I really mean is the victims, but anyways. (laughs) And then defense counsel, they had two um, military or air force attorneys that he was given Mm -hmm. as well as they hired a very, very expensive civilian attorney who was like known for his name's Daniel Conway and he sucks. Yeah. He is like, this, can we get sued for defamation of on here? No. Okay, agree. <laughs> Daniel Conway, very expensive. These are opinions, employee. we're not stating facts here. We're just saying he's a dick. Our opinion. Is That's that our Daniel opinion. Conway? And frankly, is not a very a lawyer. Good? Well, I think I was he, not impressed by him at all. I think
1: so he, he could have come. A- <laughs> <laughs> I just think he could have come at me so much harder. In my head, I had so many arguments to use against me, and they used none of them. And I was like, what the fuck? Really? You guys are slacking. Anyway, sorry. <laughs>
0: um, I think, I don't know if it made sense. Like, he's a military defense lawyer, but he's a civilian one. He's just, he's, he's a civilian lawyer who's known for his military defense cases. And
1: known for defending men who have, in theory, sexually assaulted. Allegedly. allegedly yeah. Which they probably did. Like there are, um, but he like gloats about it on his website. He was like, this person this, yeah. was up for all these different charges, blah, 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 blah. And I got him off. And it was like, that well, person definitely should have gone to prison.
0: What well, the fuck? Yeah. And the thing is, is like, the thing to remember is we understand, like we have a judicial system for a reason, like, you know, it's innocent until proven guilty. And so the defense attorneys, they are just doing their job, um, But obviously there's a lot of emotions around this entire, or there, what there is and was a lot of emotions around this entire thing. So when I go on, you know, the defense attorney's website and there are things that was man accused of brute, like brutally assaulting a woman, like not sexually or sexually, as well as like beating the shit out of her. And there's like details about the case, about how her head, she said her head was bashed in and there was you know he she was slammed against the wall and she had all these injuries but i got him off like hmm. it's like you're not
1: even just like a defense attorney like you just don't have morals or values that's kind of how i felt and that's just like to the point where it's like yeah sometimes as a defense attorney you do have to defend people who you know are guilty and that's Mm -hmm. like part of being a lawyer but this guy was like yeah, all these people, I know they did all this fucked up shit, and There's I got a lot them ego. off. Like, there was a lot of ego, like, big dick energy. Like, it was just gross. And, mm-hmm.
0: like, he just... I think he was distracted, though. So yeah. you're saying that you don't think he showed up very well? He did. I So he had a case, um, I think it started a day or two after ours, and it was, like, a big one that had been really public Or ours. There was, like, one news thing about it. But so he was going into something that I think was requiring a lot more of his attention. Whereas ours, I just think he was a little... Like, his his suits didn't match. <laughs> there was some weird shit like that. Um, yeah. But anyway, sorry. To, to go back, you were talking about how you were reviewing your OSI video right before trial. And lead defense attorney walks in.
1: Well, that was actually two separate things. Oh, sure. um, no, it's okay. But yeah, I was just like in the back room... And I don't know if I was waiting to testify or whatever it was, but like he walks in and he's like, hi, Lauren, like all like nice and cheery. That's and I'm, the
0: like, of an asshole. I'm
1: like, what do you want? Like, I was a dick. I was such a dick. So I was like, how dare you walk in here and like say my fucking name? Mm-hmm. Like I was pissed off. And he like sits down, like right in front of me, too close to me, like way too close. Like his knee was like almost touching mine. I was like, like, get the fuck away from get me! That bitch. And he's like, so, in Shannon's OSI interview, she mentioned that the sex was consensual. <laughs> and I don't even think I could keep a straight face. <laughs> I think that I like. Ex- you mean rape? I'm, I'm sorry. Like- I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I literally could not keep it together because he literally tried to walk in there and tried to convince me that... <laughs> <laughs> like, was he you, just lying?
0: Yes. <laughs> I don't know if we... We might have talked about this a long time ago.
1: Like, he, this man was just, like, fully taking something out of context and, like, fully lying to my face trying to convince me that Shannon was making this whole thing up. And I'm sitting there and I'm Is that just that even,
0: like... like- it's a okay. coercion. I guess it's kind of... I guess it's fine, though. Well, because I know that defense has the right to, like, talk to everyone that's going to testify prior to testifying. Right. I I really thought that our attorneys did have to be present, but actually, no, because they they had said he was going to call me, and then he never did. Wait, but so what was... Was he giving details about this?
1: Not really. That's, like, all I remember And right now. I was just sitting there, and I was like you're such a fucking idiot. Like, who do you think I am? Like, do you think I'm just, like, some, like, dumb bitch?
0: Oh my god, she did? Wow. You you are so- You're, you're, wow. Daniel Cock Conway. (laughs) I had no idea that I wasn't raped. Thank you for informing me of this information and correcting it. Now that I know all of these traumatic experiences that I've had from this man are suddenly, they don't, they were consensual, so they're fine. thank you Daniel Conway it was just like I was like
1: flabbergasted (laughs) because I was like what the fuck is wrong with you like how dare you come in here say my name sit way too fucking close to me and then try to tell me that like Shannon is just making this shit up and that
0: she said it was consensual well that was a that was the big thing is like as a (laughs) that's just like really funny sorry I'm not funny, it's just like, what? It, but it's like, it is funny because it's, it's just so fucked up. The defense attorney was trying to get in your head, which like totally makes sense, totally their job, um, but not very cash money, I would say. <laughs> I didn't really appreciate it. Well, okay, I think there are strategic
1: ways to be doing that, and obviously both sides are trying to make their case, but in my mind, they would just do stuff like that, and it was so pathetic. Because it made me realize that they didn't really have a great case True. against us. Because the stuff that they were doing was just such a reach.
0: Well, you know, even if they did have a really strong case, like I think there were points of the case that that were strong on their end, and obviously, like we each, if there was a scoreboard, like we each gained some points. Yeah. Um. But I feel like even if they did have a strong case, they would still be doing these things because it's just like any sort of way to get in your head, like this is a super fragile time for everybody involved and as a defense attorney if you can kind of I guess fluster a victim before they testify or confuse them even a little bit which is probably what he was trying to do like Shannon said it was consensual the person that you know you have known for one of the people you've known the longest in your life someone you're who you're related to someone who you're friends with is saying that it's bullshit and that would like fuck with me I'd be like what do you mean like But But that's why I was just like, "What do you?" It was so
1: unbelievable. It was so unbelievable that I was just like, "Bro, like, what are you doing?" (laughs) Bro, what? (laughs) That was like my initial reaction. I was just sitting there and I was just like, "Who the fuck do you think you are?"
0: Yeah. Um, so after your investigation. Or Or after after your interview. Interview. Yeah. So they decide if they want to open
1: up an investigation.
0: And if if they want to take it on or if they want to pass it to like local police. Mm -hmm. Um and ultimately they did decide to take it on. And I think I don't know exactly why that was. I think part of it was that for me, I had like a hospital record for after there was some, some good evidence there. And I also let them know, hey. I think there's a lot more people involved in this. I, the people that were close to me that I thought might want to testify and talk about it, like was you was another one of our friends. And so I I gave OSI that information, which in itself, the defense really didn't like that because they would say, or tried to kind of use it against us. Like basically Shannon co all of these people around her to say they were assaulted by the same man. Like that was their initial thing was like, Shannon is the ringleader. Yeah, so weird. Giddy up, kiddos. Let's all go through a two and a half year long brutal investigation of our lives. Just for shits. And a and week giggles. long core process because I'm mad at him for some bullshit reason. But anyway, so they looked at me as like a ringleader. But any so I have my investigation. I say, hey, I think you, wanna, you should reach out to Lauren King. I think you should reach out to somebody else. Um, and I also had said, I have this gut feeling that there's a lot of other people involved and I said that specifically because our assailant um, on the night that I was assaulted him and I like before anything close to assault happened him and I were having a conversation we were each cooking dinner at my house my parents house and he had talked about like all these sexual partners that he had he was like I don't really know the number and then he had said something like I think it's around 10 or so, and I knew this wasn't true, because one of our friends who was, like, really close with him as well was like, no, this man has slept with a lot of women, Mm -hmm. and I thought that the number was closer to, like, 30 or so. That's what I was told by this other person. Mm -hmm. So when he was like, I think I have slept with about 10 people, I was like, no, I don't know what to call it, like, do we call him Mr. Assailant? (laughs) For now. (laughs) No, Mr. Assailant, I know there's more people. And he was like, well, like 10 or 12, but I don't really remember the rest. And in hindsight, I looked at, okay, if you're kind of a serial rapist, if you've raped like, you know, at least four women and you have all of these sexual partners and you only remember 10 or 12 and you can't remember the rest, you're either so fucked up, like so drunk that you don't remember or you are like beating it out of your soul to not remember that you have assaulted all these other women. Yeah. So that's what I let OSI know. It was just, hey, I have this feeling. I think there's a lot of other people involved. I think you should really look into this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They ultimately decide, yes, let's open up an investigation. We do want to keep this within the military court process. Let's get after it, basically. Um, so I think it was... It was... So I was interviewed on a Friday, and I want to say it was like the next Monday or Tuesday, I got a phone call from a British man... <laughs> at the Air Force Academy. Someone who... This was my first encounter with somebody who was very, very formal. You know, he's talking in his British accent. Hello, this is Sergeant, Agent, whatever, Major, XYZ. And I'm I'm calling... Is this Shannon Porter? Like, I'm calling to talk about the investigation. (laughs) You have a terrible British accent. Can you do it better for me? (laughs) Not a command. Just, like, come out. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, so I get this phone call, and I'm... Outside of the gym, like I was going, or no, I had just finished working out, so I was about to go home, and it's just this like scary phone call with this man. Like I, I'm like, okay, I know he's from the Air Force Academy, but he has this accent, which is fine. Loki, a little bit hot and confusing for me, but then, <laughs> but then he's like super formal, and he's like, "Ma'am, we need to pick up your bed sheets." And I'm like, tonight, and he's like. Most likely not tonight, most likely tomorrow. And I'm like, why do you need my bedsheets? Like there was very little context. And like, obviously you need my bed sheets because they wanted to try to get DNA samples. But it was like, Oh, okay, so if you if you're picking them up tomorrow, I was like, Can I can I still sleep in my bed? And he says, just don't mess the bed sheets up. Like, don't mess them up. And I was like, Well, so I can't sleep in them. And he's like, you can sleep in them as long as you don't mess up your comforter and your sheets. What the fuck does that even And I'm lead? like, well, I've been sleeping in my bed for the past like week or so. How do I not mess it up? And I remember there was this moment of like, everything was super real. It was like, oh, I, my life is about to be invaded. Everyone else involved, their lives are going to be invaded. And like, that was the first moment where I was like, fuck, I'm scared. Yeah. that was real.
1: Because that's personal, you know? And that's, like, intimate. And I I also think for you, this is kind of backtracking, but, like, your bed is supposed to be your safe place. Not only were you assaulted in it, now you have these people who are, like, ripping it apart Mm -hmm. so that they can go take it into a lab and DNA test. And, like, that's just such a weird feeling to have,
0: I'm sure. And they had specifically it was a weird feeling um but they had specifically told me not to remove the comforter or any of the blankets or the sheets from my bed and all I was thinking was I don't know where to sleep tonight I like I don't want to sleep on the couch I want to sleep in like somewhere in my house I don't want to sleep with my parents I guess there's other bedrooms but like other people have been assaulted in the other bedrooms in the house. And so I went home and I immediately took all of the comforter's blankets off my bed and I put them in a garbage bag. I completely disobeyed what they said because i just out of pure like anxiety. And, um, like same with like, you know, the drinks that we had had that night, like the cans, like they were white claws. I had put them in a garbage bag and hidden them in, or I had thrown them away in like my friend's garbage can and I was like, I know they're going to want these. I need you to dig through your garbage for them. Um, and it was just all these things like that. Like, I just put everything in bags against instruction. Yeah, but because well, that's what I wanted to do. scared and you, like, did not know what else to do. Yeah. But they just, there was a lot of just things they took. Like, there was a time where they came to the house and they took pictures of our living room, of our kitchen, of my bedroom from all angles, like, if I had moved my desk at all, like they wanted me to put everything exactly how it was when I was assaulted. They took pictures of my basement. They took pictures of the bag that the comforter was in. They took pictures of the garbage bag that the drinks were in. Like everything was accounted for, which was good because, you know, we needed all this stuff later, like text messages with our assailant, like text messages that my mom had with him. Like everything was there. the, medical report, my sports bra, my sweatshirt, my sweatpants, everything that I was wearing, my underwear, like, well, underwear, actually the hospital had it, but they had everything. They acquired mm-hmm. everything. The receipt of the alcohol that he had purchased, like the picture of the liquor store you purchased it from, like timestamps of when he got to my house, timestamps when he left, what t- like video of the garage door opening, like everything that they could find he did, which is necessary for the investigation. However, it doesn't change the fact that it's very scary, it's very real, and it's very invasive. But it's a necessary invasion for justice, ultimately. Yeah, it definitely is.
1: Okay, we're back. We took a little break, got some coffee. Got coffee.
0: I dabbed my armpits. I have, like, a severe sweat problem. (laughs) If you can see it, just know that I, too, am human. It's crazy. Yeah, you might not think it, but it's true. Um, okay, so we were talking about
1: evidence. We were talking about how they came and took all these crazy photos of literally fucking everything, and it was like your house became a crime scene in a way. Yeah,
0: and there was all of these moments, and specifically when they first said they were going to take my bed sheets, where I thought, "Do I really want to do this?" Like I wanted to stop, frankly, and that was at the very beginning. You know, I had this warm, squishy introduction to these nice agents, and then all of a sudden they're taking shit out of my house, taking pictures, and it's very invasive. But like I was saying, this is a necessary invasion and it's for it was for something bigger than that momentary discomfort. Yeah. But it was terrifying. (laughs)
1: Like Yeah. And I think that like you're kinda getting like thrown into the deep end in a way it's really easy to just be like, I'm gonna throw in the towel. Like this was too much. I want to quit. I want to give up. And I think that you're going to feel that. I mean, like we both felt that multiple times throughout this like period of two years. And it's really scary. And it's really hard, especially when like from that initial, like you start this interview process, you start this investigation, you're, you have no idea what's going on. You're totally in the dark and it can be really easy to just say, you know what? Like I don't want to do this. And I think, I will say, I'm, I'm not going to go on a rant about our legal system and how we handle sexual assault survivors. Reign it in, like, Laura. <laughs> Reign it back. <laughs> we'll talk about that at a different time, because I do think this is a problem. Um, but it just can be really scary, and I think, like, throughout the whole process, like, I did really want to quit and give up so many times. And I think the biggest thing for me was, like, right before I was supposed to testify, I was, like, losing my shit. I was, like, in the courtroom. I was, like, behind in a back room. And I, like, got the prosecuting attorney in, and I was, like, I can't do this. Like, I'm walking out. And I was, like, I'm done. I'm, like, peace (laughs) and out, man. Like, sorry. Good (laughs) luck. (laughs) Like, good luck. Figure it out. But I'm not going to be part of this just because, like, I knew that, like, I had to walk into a courtroom and literally sit facing... All eyes on you. But, like, facing our fucking assailant. They, like, purposefully...
0: It's like a diagonal.
1: Yeah, so yeah. That you, they purposely put it so that you could, are looking at him while you're testifying. And that is a whole other story that we'll get into at a different point. But I wanted to give up. And I just wanted to quit so bad. So why but didn't you? I had to... I had that moment of like, I'm not doing this for myself. Like, I'm doing this because... This guy needs to learn that there are consequences to actions like this, and all men need to learn that there are consequences to doing this. And I think that previously and historically, men have been getting away with raping and assault all the time, everywhere. Especially in the military. Especially in the military, when there's, like, a higher percentage of men and things like that, and there have been no consequences. And if there are consequences, they're fucking stupid. Like a slap on the wrist. Yeah, like... Brock Turner case. That's what I was he just He got saying. six months, and he got let out early. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, that judge did get released. Like, yeah. they were like, fuck you, get the fuck out. But, like, it's unbelievable. And so I think I was thinking about that, and I was like, if there's a chance that he gets convicted and there's actual real consequences to this, I need to be a part of that, and I need to help with that process, and I need to help get us there. And, like, we need to set the precedent that this is not okay, and that, like, you will have severe consequences for doing these types of things- And so for me, I was like, this isn't about me. This is about, like, any future woman who might be assaulted by this man specifically and just, in general, saying, hey, you can't do this. Mm -hmm. And if you do, you're going to go to prison. Yeah. And I think that's, like, what got me through that feeling of I want to quit, I want to give up. It was just, like, this is so much more. This is about so much more than just you. Mm -hmm. So go make this sacrifice because you're a strong-ass bitch and you got this. Mm-hmm. And I had to tell myself that through every single stage in this. It wasn't just when I had to testify. It was everything. It was that initial interview. It was any other interview that we had to go through. It was, you know, that first time sitting in the courtroom. And I just had to tell seeing myself. His face. Like, yeah, seeing yeah. his face for the first time. It really was just like, you're strong. You got this and this is for the greater good.
0: Yeah.
1: We're going to show the world
0: you can't do this. Yeah, it's not it's not okay. Um yeah. and even like I think a lot about or I I thought a lot about how, okay, he might not get convicted necessarily, but maybe there will be some other sort of punishment, like maybe dishonorable discharge, discharge military. or maybe like Things like that because what I knew was he was a senior at the Air Force Academy and he was about to go into a, he was about to be an officer. Like he was going to be in a bigger position of power where he could potentially get away with this more. And if I had known for a fact that he had assaulted at least three people, later we found out that there was a few more, then like how many more didn't speak up or how many more do we not know of and how many more will he assault in the future? And so there's like, the future aspect, there's the aspect of just like, hey, it's not okay. Like this shouldn't be very chill in society that this is happening so much. Um, and then on top of that, you know, I think we all, everyone involved and anyone who has ever been assaulted, there's a lot of mental repercussions and physical repercussions that happen after being assaulted that wouldn't be there if you hadn't been raped. Like, I think I, I wouldn't, I would have had better grades that semester. I don't think I would have necessarily quit figure skating if I hadn't Wait, been that's raped. That's a whole other story yeah. to talk about later. <laughs> but it's like the emotional and physical toll that being assaulted takes on you. Like that is physically taking away. Like you are, I think you are physically changing the way you have been, the, like your chemical breakdown. Like there's studies that, are, that show that people who are molested or assaulted when they're a child, they're like... 15% more likely or something, don't quote me on this, but it's, it's a fairly high percentage more likely to develop an autoimmune disease because it's like chemically changing the way you respond to things, how you think, all of that. And so this person changed who I am. Like, that's a fact. I hate giving him that power, but he changed the way that I look at the world, the way I view sex, the way I view men, the way I function as a being. Mm-hmm. And if you're changing my, that stuff, there should be a repercussion for you. Because I never asked for it, you didn't ask for that. No one asked to be assaulted, but it happens fucking anyways, and something needs to be done about it because it's not okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Boom. <laughs> <My> <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> mic drop.
1: Yeah, I, and I think that is like a huge reason why we went through this trial,
0: you know, and like it's the reason. Yeah. Yeah. There's also a, a chance, like it's a. I think it's a seven percent conviction rate. At the time it was. It's, I know things fluctuate every year. Yeah. It's honestly really sad. Which means... We need to do better. 93% of cases at that time. Just nothing happened. Yeah. And that cannot be the norm. Yeah. Um. I kind of wanted to talk about, like, just the military, like, the way they talk to us. I don't know if that's... If you'd be interested in going there. What do you mean? So... I had said, you know, the people that interviewed us were very squishy, warm, didn't really seem military, weren't in uniforms. And then every attorney after that, the rest of the investigative people um, that I talked to are super duper formal, as they should be. That's their job. Yeah. But it was very intimidating.
1: Yeah. I think that, I think my perspective on it's probably a little different because at the time I was actually in... ROTC and I actually was accepted to the Air Force Academy and which is crazy committed there for a time Um, and so I had dealt with a like every single day I was dealing with officers because of ROTC and I had training all the time and like I that was normal for me and I had to always talk to them in a certain way and then also like for the Air Force Academy stuff like I had to meet with like a lot of high-ranking officers and I like so I had all of that going on kind of this pretty much the same time that this was going on. And so for me it was pretty normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just something that I dealt with from day to day. So I don't think it stuck out to me, maybe as much as it did to you, but I think right. I'd be interested to hear like what your perspective was on
0: that. Um, yeah, so you since you had encountered all of these people, it was more normalized. Yeah. As for like a classic civilian, which is like me. Yeah. <laughs> um, it almost felt like, like when I would communicate with them, which I'll talk about some text in a moment here. Um, it always felt like they were like questioning my credibility, and it was weird because I'm like, wait, you're supposed to be on my side, like, hmm. but in reality, they're actually like the investigative people aren't on anybody's side. They're they're like, well, the jury are they're fact finders, but the investigative people are like just supposed to find everything they can. Like that—that's their job. It's not to root for you or to root for your assailant. It's just to find information out. But with the way they had talked, a lot of it felt like it was like, oh, you're mentioning that you think someone else has been assaulted. Like, and I'm like, yeah, I already told you that. And then they would say, like, why do you think that? I'm like, we've already talked about this. It's all of these like kind of prying questions. I'm pulling up some texts from our lovely British agent. So there was a point in the court process where, or not, not during court, but during the investigation, the investigation where I started to get worried for my safety. And I didn't necessarily think that our assailant was going to show up to my house or to the ice skating rink or to church or anything. But it was, I was worried that once he was notified that an investigation had began I was worried that if he knew it was like me or you that had reported, that he could show up because he knew everything. He knew where I lived, he knew where our garage coat, he knew what time we went to church, when I was ice skating. And so I made the decision that I wanted a protective order to be put in place. And so I had asked this specific um, special agent, I guess we can say, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's I guess that's what they are. Yeah. Um, I was asking if he could disclose the information, like if he could tell me if our assailant knew that it was me or not. And I was like, I'm also just looking for an update in regards to the investigation. And he said, what sort of update are you looking for, ma'am? I'm not able to talk with any subjects of investigations without first advising them of their rights, meaning yes, he is aware of the allegations. And I said, does he know the allegations are from me? And he said, I'm sorry, I can't give specifics about what we discussed. But do you have any reasons to believe he would think the allegations came from someone else? And so it's just like, I'm asking a simple question of, hey, I'm scared about my safety. Can you just let me know if he knows that it's me? Mm -hmm. And he's like, why do you think it's somebody else? Like, that's not the fucking point here, special agent. Um... (laughs)
1: Shannon got very, very heated. About oh my this. god, I was Throughout really. Throughout the like, whole investigation, she was getting pissed the fuck off, which rightfully so, honestly, because some of the shit they said was just hilarious.
0: Uh, yeah, it's true. So, like this one, I have, um, I'm primarily concerned with my safety. If he thinks the allegations came from me, I want to make sure I am safe. Additionally, I have no knowledge of what he thinks because, frankly, there are probably a lot of other girls um, that the allegations could be from. Um, blah, blah, blah. I said, I'm not asking for details. I'm simply concerned for my safety. And he responds with, I understand your concern, ma'am. How would you like me to assist with ensuring you stay safe? And that was the thing of like, I don't know. I'm telling you I'm worried about my safety. So I I need you to tell me what my options are. Mm -hmm. Um, And perhaps I, I got a little bit... A little heated emotionally, but I just felt like at every corner of the investigation, it was well, why do you think that way? Like, should we be concerned about this? Like, you want a protective order? Well, we don't know if we have enough evidence for that. And it was just these things of, hey man, I'm just a little worried. I want my day. I want to peacefully be able to go to church on a Sunday with my family, knowing that I'm not going to have to see my rapist while praising Jesus. (laughs) Like, that's it. You know? Yeah. And I just felt like it was a constant questioning of my credibility when really it was just me wanting to know what was going on.
1: Yeah, and like that, that was so consistent throughout the whole thing. Was just they don't actually actively tell you anything that's going on. So At you all. have to be proactive if you're not the one that's going there and texting them and being like, "Hey, what is going on? What why I'm is texting your attorney? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, why is this happening? Like, blah blah. Like, they will not tell you dick about shit. Like, it's just like, what the fuck? Like, why is it so hard for you to tell me information? Like the reason that this is a thing is because, like, I came forward and reported this, and now you're not telling me anything. And I feel like most of the investigation was like that. And the investigation lasted a year?
0: Over a year? So I reported in 2019. And then in 2021, At like, the end of 2021 was our trial. It was, like, very end December. Right before Christmas. Yeah. So 19, 2021. So a little bit over two years was the entirety of it.
1: Yeah. And like for the majority of that time period, you heard nothing, you knew nothing, you were just completely yeah. left in the dark. And then when you would reach out and be like, "Hey, can you explain this to me?" They would give answers like that. That's like like they start questioning you, <laughs> and then you're like, "Well, I'm not. I don't. I don't know what's going on. I don't yeah. know how to be protected. Like that's why I'm talking yeah. to you."
0: <laughs> my favorite thing would be when a uh, favorite is sarcastic. By the way, my favorite thing would be was they would say something with a lot of legal mumbo-jumbo. Like, we are having an Article 402 hearing. When will you be available? And, like... What the fuck is an hey, Article you 402 me- hearing? Yeah, <laughs> like, they would just say it as if I've, like, been through this before. I'm like, oh, or that I go to fucking law school. Like, homie, I'm, like, 19, okay? I don't know anything. I'm a marketing student. Like, what? Help me out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But so just hear this loud and clear. If you're someone who is starting an investigation or is has been assaulted and is thinking about it. You will not know what the fuck is going on. Like ever until it is over. Yeah. And I would say do your own research. Cause I think
1: that's like how we found a lot of information out. Like I, I'm, I'm super interested in law. I think it's fascinating. And so for me, because we never knew what was going on, and we had no control or power. One of the ways that I felt like I could have power was by understanding what the fuck they were talking about when they are talking about legal shit. Understanding what things, like, couldn't be asked towards me. Like, understanding right. the law surrounding that. Like, that was a way that I kind of coped with it, and was like, I'm gonna take some of my power back by understanding, like, what my rights are, what they can talk to me about, what they mean when they, like, say some, like, fucking legal shit that sounds absurd and that was just like all research based and like you do that in your own time but like it kind of does help because then when you go into the courtroom and like you're getting ready for trial like there was a time when the defense i don't remember if this was this might have been in one of the meetings before they asked me a question that legally they couldn't ask me and i knew that so i didn't say anything and then my attorney was like oh you can't ask that question Mm -hmm. but like the fact that i knew like no fuck off it made me feel like i had some control yeah. And honestly, like, that was really nice to have during this whole time. Um, so there is going to be a lot of times when you are in the dark like that, but, like, as much as you can,
0: educate yourself. Yeah. And that would be, like, my biggest piece of advice. That's a really good one. Yeah, I spent a lot of time looking at other cases, like, what happened when, they, when people were convicted, what happened when they weren't, um... And it totally did bring me power. I guess I didn't realize that that's what it was, but it it did. It boosted my confidence. It made me feel more credible too. Like Mm -hmm. it's sad because I thought that going into reporting and going into this whole process that me just coming forward would be enough, but it's not like you need to feel credible. They need, the jury needs to look at you and think that you're believable. And you need to be careful about what you post on social media during that time. Like I made everything private, like everything, Venmo, mm-hmm. <laughs> like Twitter, the things I don't even use, yeah. just private. Or I was also told to potentially just delete everything because it will all be, it's all a part of it. But a way to kind of take things into your own hands was, or what we did was to do a bunch of research. Yeah. So I guess like in summary. In summary, you're a badass bitch. <laughs> that's not where I was going. <laughs> Don't forget that. <laughs> yeah, all of you out there. There's that. There's um this is an invasive process. I would say it's worth it. Yeah. I would say it's a process that is not always rewarding, but it's I think something that's necessary. It's the basic laws of the society that we live in. When something is wrong, like there should be punishment or there should be justice. And so this process is grueling and it's excruciating and it is emotionally draining like nothing else I've ever gone through. However, like one thing at a time, this is bigger than yourself. This is about right and wrong. This is about getting justice for knowing that this person stripped you of some things that you never asked for. They stripped you of your safety like, your internal security, they violated that. Um, if you're going the military route and you're like me and you're a civilian, the constant usage of ma'am and the questions might piss you off, but they're doing their job behind the scenes. They really are. Yeah. That's what I was going to say, is that they really, like, you don't know what's going on, but I promise you they're working on it. Like yeah. They are, and you might not see it until the very, very end, Frankly, there's just probably a whole lot of assault cases that they're working on at the moment.
1: Yeah. So I think patience is the key thing here. Like being able to take a deep breath and take a step back and allow yourself to just be like, okay, this is where I'm at. And that's the same thing for even if you're not going through a trial or an investigation, even if you're just like, this is something that I've been through, like I've been assaulted. Like that is the same thing where it's just like, it's day by day, and it's step by step. And when you are overwhelmed, you have to remember, I need to just be patient and, like, allow myself to go through the healing processes. And some of those healing processes are going to be ugly and awful and terrible and dark and fucked up.
0: Yeah. Nasty.
1: But you just have to keep going. You can't give up. Yeah. Meet yourself where you are in your suffering. Exactly. That's And cute. ask
0: others to meet you there, too. Yeah. Because it's okay to ask for help yeah
1: it's okay to ask questions so you understand what the fuck is going on yeah (laughs) ask your attorneys questions (laughs) yeah don't
0: let them just tell you article 420 like 1966 smith v joe like no say (laughs) hey bitch what what the fuck is that what do you mean could you explain this to me don't forget i didn't go to law school and then they'll be like oh yeah of course so sorry yeah. Bad. It's like or maybe i will kind of be like, create. Well I do want to know that. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why do you care to know? <laughs> um Thanks for listening today. I hope everyone go eat a snack. Go 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 take yourself on a date. Take a bath. Drink some wine. Yeah. Honestly. That'd be nice. We'll probably do that. And if you don't later. drink, go go get some go get a cool beverage. I think the art of like like beverage if you don't drink coffee or you don't drink alcohol, the like getting a cool beverage somewhere is less romanticized go go get a fucking mocktail drink some juice out of a fancy glass at a restaurant honestly fancy glasses
1: make all the difference it's true yeah
0: do it yeah you'll think treat yourself today
1: okay on that note peace out peace out out. cheers cheers y'all whew i'm gonna take this fucking shirt off